you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome, go-to-market leaders. Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in from marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot, and I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket, you are in right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code Future CMO. It is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Hey everybody, Sangram here. We are back. Um, I feel like it almost took a hiatus on this and what better way to come back and have somebody that I really love and admire uh, to jump in on it. So today, um, we're going to have a conversation with Dale. And a lot of times I have marketers in it. And a lot of people said, hey, like you need to get somebody in sales so we get the other side of it. So I couldn't think of anybody better um, than Dale. And then we're going to go back and have some really interesting conversations with one with Mayur, uh, who is flat out one of the best marketers. He's been a chief marketing officer at Kimberly Clark and Freshly and Spotify. So he's doing some really cool things. And then uh, we're going to have another good friend of mine, Sean Herring, who's the VP of marketing at PandaDoc. And they got so much inbound that he's struggling with saying, hey, why should we do outbound? So we're going to dump into that because that's not a problem many people have. But today, um, I got Dale... Dupree, who is going to talk about his new book and what sales got to do with marketing. So with that, Dale, my friend, how are you? Good, bro. How are you doing? I am good. So I forgot to play your walk-up music uh, on this one, but here, here, here is a, a little snippet of that. I don't know if it's the right beat, but it's the beats where you played when you actually spoke at uh, the last B2B SMX conference. So tell me a little bit about this song before you jump into the, the conversation. Actually, I, I was on my deck, uh, which one of my best friends was building for me at my father's home that I had just purchased. And those that know my story know that my father passed away in 2016 from cancer. He was my best friend, my, my support, my sales leader, my everything. And, and so buying his house meant a lot and, and properly honoring the home as well too was important to me. So we built a giant deck uh, where I know that he probably always wanted to build one in the first place, uh, but he just didn't so that we could have, you know, fellowship and have people over to the house and, um, you know, just enjoy what he, what he built for us. And, and I walked out, <clears throat> I was still selling copiers at the time. I walked out and I heard that song playing on the Bluetooth speaker. And I was like, this is such a good feeling song and I'm in such a good mood and this deck is almost done. And, and I just latched to it. And it, so every time I hear it, it reminds me of what we were building in that moment, which was also, even though I was selling copiers, it was probably like two months before I launched the sales rebellion. And, and so that all these thoughts were going through my head and there was just something about the way that song flowed and the, the lyrics. It's actually a, it's a song 
by a, a hip hop artist that they remake, you know, to to make it easier for people that don't like hip hop music to get into hip hop. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the story of the song. Now, I, I love that. You, you know, for, for me, I really never got too much into hip hop in the early days when I came to the States uh, because I went to, you know this, I went to University of Alabama um, and I, I fell in love with country music because I could understand what they're saying uh, as opposed to every other song. I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. So that's how I got into country music a little bit. So, Dale, for people who don't know you, let me just do a couple of things that share few things about you and I want to share I want you to share about the sales rebellion and then we're going to get into the book that you're about to launch um, in, a, in a few weeks or and months the framework of reason which I think people really need to understand and that framework is not just a framework I feel for salespeople I feel it's a framework for life in, in many ways so I think it has a bigger purpose and a bigger idea behind that and then we're going to go into some real tactics things of like well how some talk you, you talk about this idea of experiential sales where when you actually create sales programs and marketing programs which are not which will do literally help you break through the noise break through the clutter and right now everybody needs some of that going on in their organization so uh, so dale and i first met at this in, in you know in many ways i feel like on linkedin um no very surprise 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 there but then uh, he came and spoke at the very first conference over there we did for B2B SMX last year. Was it last year? I think it was last year in person. Uh, before that, a couple of times, but I saw him speak for the first time. And it was the most authentic story of his life that turned into one of the best presentation of the entire conference. So I was, I was really blown away with that. And I'm like, all right, we need to continue this relationship. And I, since then, I followed your, your world. And, and you have really focused on this idea of sales rebellion. So share a little bit about that as we jump into this idea of the reason. Yeah, absolutely. So 2018 is when it was actually. And I'll never forget it. There were some great speakers. Morgan Ingram um, was, spoke right before me. And so I met him and John Barrows like five minutes before I went on stage, right? And so it was, it was, it was awesome because I think too, what was really cool about that interaction, you talked about LinkedIn was like taking your online relationships offline, which I'd been doing my whole career like here locally, but to do it, like to travel to Boston from Florida and like meet with people that you have been conversing with and building a relationship with in that moment, I think was awesome. And really that, that, that's a big piece of the foundation of what the reason theory is, which is to radically educate and share one's narrative. And so that's the kind of the short form of it. We have a more broken down approach, you know, where A stands for attention, S stands for story. <clears throat> you know, for our students as well, too. But the reason that we have a, a short form is for people to remember that there has to be a narrative that we're sharing, right? And, and, all, and furthermore, that we have to radically educate our prospects. We have to. If, we're, if we don't, then we're just part of the mediocre. And so the, the concept, too, is a lot of people here share one's narrative and think that it's their narrative. And, and although you will share your narrative at some point, the idea is to share in the narrative of the prospect. That's the, yeah. that's the point. How do we share in the narrative of the prospect? How do we radically educate them through this idea that we have a hold on familiarity of relevance with them as well, too, that we can create something that's more synergistic than just being a buzzword is the idea. So it's all an emotional play from that perspective. In business, we tend to be very hard line. We tend to say, wear this suit, put on that tie, say this thing, act like that, do these marketing things, say these sales scripts, right? And, and because of that, we dumb it all down. We dumb it down to a point that the communication itself becomes muddied. And that's what's the, the craziest thought about it, though, is that we take a simple thing like communication and we destroy it 
in that process. And, and so the reason theory and concept is, is 100% based around salespeople sucking at giving pitches and trying to change the narrative of how, not just how you give it, but how the buyer receives it, right? And, and to take the labels off of things like buyer and seller, you know, and, and just have two people coming together and having a really good conversation. The concept of fellowship is really what it's all built around. So, oh, and you know, what what's also reminds me of some of the examples you have shared. Could you share one of those, those examples where you would literally walk in an office to get a meeting with somebody? And I've, I've seen you share that a couple of times. And, and, and you would not take no for an answer, but you would do it in a way that actually is like the person at the front desk would be like, uh, I, I'm, I should find time with this person for, for it. Like, talk about that because I think that is the part of relevance and that is the part of understanding the other person that in many ways it can be replicated. And we'll go through examples of how do you do it in the online world because you can't just walk in the office right in this scenario today. Share a one to one or two examples like like you did in your copier warrior days. Sure. So I got a couple of things. I'll even show them here on the live as well too. But um, imagine that in my copier warrior days, and this is what our our copier students use. This is a brick. It's not a real brick, obviously. It's a squishy brick. But imagine that I walk into the front desk and I hand somebody this brick with these instructions on how to take this brick and to throw it at your copy machine when it's jamming. And then it will magically fix it per the, the, the instructions here. And there's actually a, way, a walkthrough as well, too, on how to use it. Instead of walking in and saying, hi, I sell this product and I'm looking to speak with this person. Instead, you go and you arm the person at the front desk with something that's funny and relevant because everybody hates the copier. Was yeah. the conversation that that kind of sparked from in, in the first place. But also, everybody hates salespeople, right? So we came up with what we call the Rebel Letter Campaign here at the Sales Rebellion. But at the time, I took this idea of what is called a crumpled letter, which I learned about back in 2007 um, from a realtor in the state of Florida that had been doing it back in the early 2000s, where he was sending his direct mail where it looked as if the letter had been crumpled up and thrown away. Now, what I, what I noticed were that, that a lot of people do things like send a shoe or send something like, like that, like the, the original version of the crumpled letter because it breaks a pattern, yeah. right? But then there's no relevance because when you open it and you read the copy, it says, I want to sell you something, right? Is the idea. So, so we did things like, like with this coffee co stained letter, which is a play on the concept. And it's part of, as you would love, a cadence, a marketing cadence inside right. of the way you reach out to a prospect because sometimes it takes more than one touch, right? So, but the concept of this particular letter is, is that most sales uh, brochures and marketing that you get is garbage. And yep. so instead of adding to it, we made you a coffee coaster so that, you know, we can at least fulfill your green ISO, you know, policies. So, <laughs> so the, the idea is, is again, to speak to the people that you're selling these products to as well. You know, when you're dealing with attorneys, it works great because they speak that language as well too. So you're speaking their love language. You're, you're, you're creating and building relevance and familiarity between the two of you and the same, uh, instance as well. And not just with the decision maker, because everyone in the office is part of the company, right? Yes. So how do we build a reputation with the 40 employees instead of just being the copier guy to the person that's, that signs the paperwork? Because when we do that, we break through all the noise and we don't become a statistic of you know lost deals over time. We become the thing that my father taught me to be, which was that at his funeral after 29 years in his own business, that he still had customers 
that had been buying from him since day one show up to that funeral to pay wow. their respects. It's a wild thought, but it's it's the truth. Man, I think what you're in many ways talking about is building a legacy in the process, recognizing that what you do is not trying to sell a trinket. You're not trying to sell something that is of no value. It actually has your own personal reputation that goes with it. And if you're proud of what you're selling, if you're proud of what you're making, if you're proud of what you're marketing, I think you will take more of a a more specific approach, more personalized approach around it and think about it for a few few minutes before you send the same cadence email from the same cadence direct mail or whatever it might be. And I don't, and you, you said something that I, was, I wasn't gonna say, but you said it like, hey, look, a lot of people hate salespeople, right? Well, what's, what's going on? Like, so what, today's modern salesperson, how, that, how does that person work, operate and think? Today's modern salesperson has been programmed to operate around a quota and a commission check, and that's it. They they don't know the what the word humor even means, right? They they could not fathom to hand out a business card of them fighting a copy machine like a '90s you know Nintendo video game. Right? Oh, there would be all this like brand conversation going on, like, well, this is not our brand, or like they're like 50 people part of trying to almost uh, like like sabotage the creativity and the personality of the, the person. In, in right. right. You know, the color schemes of a corporate brand are like three to four colors. And yeah. there's all these, there's these, all these little things that you can look at that are nuanced throughout the process of, you know, oh, you didn't, you didn't have the exact, you know, shape that goes around our font, you know, and so you can't use this. And, and like that concept of control and being super strict as well too, but also, limiting creativity in that process just the same where i mean sure like i'm not gonna lie that there were times and i say this all the time too so it's not like this is a revelation but there were times when i did not make the people at my company happy with the way that i was utilizing my own marketing it did not make people feel warm and fuzzy in in certain instances but you know who it did make feel warm and fuzzy were my prospects and at the end of every year when i'm the number one rep and I'm just a commercial down the street sales rep outselling every single person, including the major account reps. How can you deny what I'm doing? Especially when it's beyond metrics because you couldn't even, you literally could not even um, measure my actual call block and volume because inside of my CRM, the only thing I ever did was put the customer in there. And then I had my own system that I had built around being intentional with my interactions with them, not just following up, but learning and developing inside of a relationship with them as well too. And so this this mindset of a rebel, a real rebel, right? Where I instilled hope back into my community and not just becoming some rich salesperson that you know suddenly was driving the fanciest car and knew everybody around town. That was not my end goal. My end goal was to help people to also inflect during these times as well too. reflect and 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 sit back and say why have i been doing why have i been using these vendors all this time when something like this exists and also to make them think and this is something that i say often as well too but a lot of people don't hear it is that what if the person that's buying from you actually does more than that and what they see is some type of brilliance that they can translate back to their own business and use, you know, so this got reused by people I used it on in other industries, right? And, you know, I I would get calls from the the sales department afterwards be like, 
yeah, you're, I know you're, I heard you're a copier guy and I watched your commercial and this, that, and the other, and I'd love to network with you. And, and suddenly you got these, you know, people selling in the aerospace industry and manufacturing and lighting, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff hitting you up and saying, you know, how can you help me? And that's, that was really the beginning birth of the sales rebellion where it started to feed into me that, wow, like this could actually, I could teach this. I could teach other yeah. people to do this because it's not about me. It's about helping them to tap into their radical authenticity and stand back and say, I can be myself in this business. I can have my own personal brand. And it doesn't have to be Dale, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy off the wall, 800 colors, you know, for your brand, right? Like, cause we were just joking about that a second ago, but it can be something that is, that is comfortable for you. That speaks the love language of the prospect and that serves them diligently and with excellence. And that's the point of a personal brand. Oh man. Somebody write that down. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down. I wrote it down and it's recorded. So it's all, it's all good. It's right there. So let me just, uh, also acknowledge some of the comments that we're getting in and also folks dropping your questions. And a lot of the folks over here, I see uh, Sandy over here just saying, um, yes, you got obviously Robert. I love when you're you know, not pushing your brand. That's not, you, know, you got to push your brand. I uh, love seeing Sean uh, and Paul, like Amber, not easy, easy though. It takes a lot of time and effort, which is, which is the point of this is, right? If it, if it was too easy, everybody would do it. And you wouldn't be part of the one person club, if you will, of people who actually put the time and effort and stand out. And it takes time and effort. And I know Sean, who's also like a lot, it's awesome to see the community represented here in a big way where uh, I, I see a lot of conversations on it. Um, Wendy uh, saying like, hey, it's good to see you as well. Um, one of the things that, that I've seen you say as well is, is the focus on your customers. Now, every organization that I know of would say customer first. Like they, that's kind of their internal thing. But when you look at the, the output that they're putting out there, the emails that I get, like I asked one time, like, hey, how many of you call, um, how many of you send email to, and I, and I don't use the word prospect because I feel like the prospect is like, how many of people want to be prospected? Nobody wants to be prospected, but how many of you need to be like want to be nurtured in a relationship? A lot of people are like, yeah, that, that, that's great. Let's build a relationship. But a future customer, let's just say future customer, and I'll ask people, say, hey, raise your hand um, if, you, if you reach out to your future customer. People will say, yeah, we do. Okay, how many emails do you send them? How many reach, outreach that you do? And they would say, oh, yeah, 5, 10, 12 times um, a month and, and see how, what's going on to move things forward. And then I'll ask, okay, do you do the same thing with your customers? And they're like, no, we don't even touch our customers. We would send one email and everybody in the company has to look at that one email that sends to our customer. I'm like, wait a minute. So you have all this respect and empathy and love for your customer. Well, when it comes to your future customer, you don't care. You just want to send as many things as possible. Do you see that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, it, it is. It's a very interesting thought, right? I love that you're bringing this up because we, so we have a, a process called the living pipeline where we put people in the future customer. We put them into a process that nurtures them. Like they will actually be a client one day. Right. So we actually help a sales rep to understand that in the beginning, yes, it might take more than one touch, but we also, so if we said that right and right now, I'm sure it's up for debate, you know, because every year it changes, but Let's just say that it takes 12 touches approximately to get in touch with somebody. During COVID-19, it's probably like 50. <laughs> but <laughs> let's, let's say that it's 12 touches to get in touch with somebody. Well, why is it 12 touches is the first question that you have to ask yourself. 
You can't just sit back and say, oh, the average of every sales rep reaching out is that it takes 12 touches, you know, with a mixture of phone and email and this and that. You know, like, listen, if you flew a hot air balloon over their house, right, and you dropped, you know, something down into their backyard and they saw this go down, you would be one touch, right? And if you have that mindset inside of your touches, you don't have to be in a hot air balloon. This is about real, raw, authentic communication. It's about connecting with the prospect. And that's all there is to it. So if you were to say 12, we have five letters. And so people say, well, there's not 12 letters. No, there's five because you should hear back from them by the third or fourth at the most, right? Mm-hmm. Some people make it to five and some people never hear back from somebody, but it, it is a small percentage of the people that are actually, they're actually hearing back from And Here's the best part, bro, that we never think about and we never talk about is that when you finally talk to them, they say, I got all your letters. I'm just too busy to get back to you. That means they get all your crappy emails that you send them to. And they get, you know, your 12 to 15 touches a month. And so what kind of standard are you setting? What kind of relationship are you building passively, right? Because you're not with them in every moment. And so people have to think about those standards that we have to raise. Like, and not everybody's going to do business with you. So stop trying to get everybody's business and just start trying to serve them. And when you do that, you will find your tribe slowly throughout the process. But the same way that we treat people from the perspective of prospecting, that when somebody then responds, we will tell them, depending on the time frame of their deal, communication concepts, and also experiential sales campaigns that continue throughout the process of staying in touch with them. Like let's say over the next 12 months, for example, you only need to touch them about five times in the mm-hmm. course of 12 months. It has to be radical and audacious in the way that you do it. And when you do, that you become something they look forward to every couple of months when it shows up instead of like, oh God, here comes this guy with his diligent email again, right? Just ke- checking in, just keeping in touch. Nobody wants to hear that crap at yeah. all. None of us do, especially salespeople. You know who hates salespeople the most, Sangram? Salespeople. salespeople. <laughs> I have because they, you can see through it. It's like, why did you even start that email? The first three sentences is, you know, we don't need to go through that. Just get to the point. Uh, and I remember, I mean, this is the copywriting part of it too, right? I think sales and marketing, I feel like the best salespeople, and we, we talked about that before we went live, is I think the best salespeople are, salespeople are actually one of the finest marketers. And marketers, I feel, need to learn the art of selling. Because when you are on it, it, it actually changes the mindset. So I remember in my early days at Terminus, I would... You know, I was a salesperson, right? The first hundred deals, I'm doing the calls, I'm having conversations. And I remember like, I'm like, this is hard. Like, I, I can't do this for us to find. Like, it's really, really hard. And that's when I developed the empathy for the profession of sales. Is like, I, you know, hat tip to the salespeople who go through uh, like so many rejections and so many disappointments or even no answer, like, you know, in, in many ways. But then I had these two folks, which you know, and I know. One obviously is is Morgan Ingram, who came in and completely changed the trajectory of what I understood a salesperson looks like and and is like, which is, you know what, I'm going to come in, I'm going to create content that people want to listen and think about and hear and its value. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Then came another Morgan, Morgan Gillespie. She came in and she did 3,000 one-on-one videos for her target accounts. And they were like, you know, and, and she, and every time she would get, 80, 90%, if not 100% of the time should get a response. Either it is, I'm interested or I'm not interested. And I'm like, wait a minute. Then we don't need to have cadences. So since then, we initially have as a company, we're like, we'll have some cadences, but not, we, we don't need to put 
the sales team in a process of like, here is a meat factory and everybody has to go through this whole meat factory smell and process. No, we, you can be yourself as long as you know what you're selling and you're passionate about what you're selling. Yes, I love that. I love it. We could just sit here and high five the rest of this time and like, that would bring me much joy. But, <laughs> but I, cause I do, and I think she was at like, cause you talked about her at, at Flip by Funnel, I think. Right. And she was at like, she had done like 300 at that point or something. It wasn't even 3000 yet. And it was like, her results were stupid good. And that was, that's the point. Right. I mean, we talk about like email open rates dropping and things, but her were like almost hundred percent every time because it was about that person. And she knew what she's talking about. She has a small whiteboard that she would write the name on. It was ridiculous to get. All right. Let's yeah. just pick up some of the questions over here. So Sean is asking, what is the best outreach sales technique campaign you're seeing run right now? I love Sean, by the way. You know what's awesome is that I watched Sean pivot in the middle of COVID-19. Anybody listening needs to follow his content and just watch his journey because it's sick. Mm. But but the kid is awesome. And and what I think is great about this question is, is that really for us, the answer is, is that it's there is not one that is the best. What we are finding that works well is that you can still put stuff in the mail. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, we have to just go digital. But that's not the case. And so being like understanding and sitting back and 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 thinking intelligently around the way that you're doing your outreach is important because what are people being bombarded by right now? Phone calls and emails because they think that that's the only way that they could that a, a salesperson thinks that's the only way they can get in touch with them in the first place. But maybe it takes a couple weeks more for them to get your letter campaign. But if you're using that, sending something like that in the mail or a COVID survival kit, you know, which is like a pamphlet on how to homeschool your kids, some band-aids just in case you get sick, you know, just silly stuff like that. People love those types of interactions. And, and those are the things that have been working. We had a rep out in, in the West Coast send exactly that, mm-hmm. where somebody had actually gotten COVID and, and they were taking it, you know, they were taking it well and they were recovering. But, but he said, you know, I'm going to bring a, bright, uh, a little bit of brightness to their life because that sucks. And, and nobody wants to get the sickness that you're hearing about all over the news. And he sent him a little package and it, it was a $150 million sale, right? That's a crazy thought, right? And, and, and she got right back in touch with him as soon as she wasn't sick. And, they, and she, she signed the deal with him and said, you know what? I really appreciated your candor, but also the way that you cared about what it was that was going on in my life instead of everybody. She said, everybody else was just like, hey, are you back yet? And, and I hope you're okay. You know, yeah. where you went out of your way to find a, a, a an avenue to get in, in touch with me and make me feel like I was important. And I and that's what it's all about. And, and then I love the response on top of that, right? Where where then the buyer will tell you something like, don't now don't let me down. Right? <laughs> and and that's it, you know, because if you want to earn this kind of stuff, you better believe it. Yeah. You better believe every day and what it is that you're doing and, and not take it, not be like, oh, I got him. I got him. Let me pass him over to the experienced person. <laughs> And let it roll. You know, you've got to take point in all these things. Sales reps have to take more responsibility these days. It's there's too often do I walk into a bullpen and see four different roles for salespeople. It's stupid. Yeah. And even if you have a couple other different roles, be involved with each other. Yeah. Don't sit here and say, this is the SDR and we don't do anything with them or, or their process or touch it or talk to them. That's dumb. You need to be extremely intimate with the whole process all the way through. And if you are a BDR and SDR trying to become an AE or, uh, you know, a client experience person, you know, from that perspective, you need to also learn those jobs. And so you need to ask, like, can I be in on this appointment? Can I watch this happen? Build relationships internally inside of your companies as well, too. 
But to, to come back to Sean's question, the, the thing that works the best right now is relevance and familiarity. Be relevant and be familiar to people. When they feel those two things, it works. The letter campaign, the rebel letter campaign that we have, you can go to crumpledletter.com and get a free download of it. And then if you want it, buy the whole thing. But we believe in it that much that we give a free version of it away so that people can use it and try it, you know, because we want you to be successful, right? And this is the thing is that if you're giving your prospects, the people you're trying to sell to, a better experience through our mediums, that is our mission, right? To tear down castles and build a kingdom. Ooh, ah, man. The the idea now I'm I'm now going back to the 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 part where you originally talked about this where why people why a lot of people hate salespeople and you said that most people who hate salespeople are actually the salespeople because they can see through it and they're like why you can do something better so here's a question from Amber where she's asking about well, how do you recruit salespeople like and I'm assuming like great salespeople so that you know they got what it takes. Yeah, you know, l- listen, sales is, and I saw Dale Zawinski's on here too. So, like, and him and I feel very strongly about this. Every time he says it, I'm always like, yeah, that's it. Because sales is a sport and it's not made for everybody, right? It hey. doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean you can't try it either, right? Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't, as a leader, take a chance and risk, you know, having somebody come in to fail. That's important. You're an important role in their life in this, at that stage because you can help them figure out what it is that they do truly want to do in the yeah. first place. You can motivate them through the process of failure to be more in tune to become the best that they can possibly be. And that's what it's all about more than anything. So I like the question because I think it has two answers. One is that. And the second is, is tr- the idea of trusting your internal community. Like not, like I, and not to say that recruiters aren't a good thing. And, and going out and trying to, you know, dip your toes in new water. There's nothing wrong with that. But talk to the people in your own personal communities and be like, hey, you know me. You know what I do. You've seen what I can. You've seen what I'm capable of. You've heard my heart. Do you know anybody that would align that would line up with my morals, my ethics, my values, my firm? What it is that I'm looking for? You know, anybody with these types of characteristics and traits that that could come over and that could be a top performer for me? And and put those types of feelers out inside of your own community because nobody knows you better than them, right? Because of the way that you act and treat them. And so if you're being authentic and you're putting yourself out there on a daily basis, folks will understand that. They'll go, you know what? I actually, I did meet this kid that I thought, man, she could be great over at your firm, right? He could be great over at your firm. And that's, that's what it's all about. It's about taking risks and taking chances to find the unicorn. Because imagine that was from Amber, right? Imagine Amber, that a, a guy with, no college education. I did not go to college. I toured in a band from the time I was 17 until I was 22, goes in and applies to get a job at a copier company. And really the only reason I got hired was because my father ran it and he treated me like any other employee too, right? So I got, it was close a couple of times to me getting fired, right? In the process. But because he gave me a chance and took a risk on me, even when he gave me a performance plan, said, you need to meet these standards that I was up for the challenge. And if I wasn't, right, then I just, it would have been a fun experiment and we would have moved on. But because my dad saw the drive and the passion, right, in me and gave me that opportunity, look at me today. I owe it all to my dad because of that. And so what I would say is every sales leader listening, take a chance, take a risk, trust your gut, 
get to know the person enough and not just behind the HR desk either, y'all. You know, that is an outdated thought to me. It is the year 2020. I can pull you up on TikTok, which we just did with somebody that one of my students uh, hired. You know, he said, he was like, hey, look, I found all these sites with this person that's that's coming in. Should I be looking at this? <laughs> yes. You get to understand who this person is better and how they're going to treat your existing clients and the clients that they're going to bring in to be a part of this community. And we fell in love with her just like watching who she was and yeah. knew further than just the resume and, and, and the rapport that she had that this is a stud. And so bringing that person in takes more than just the surface level conversation that you typically have. Yeah, I man, I'll share, you know, Jim, Jim Tochi, who works at, uh, uh, at Terminus. He is, he is one of our best sales rep. Like I talk, talk about him and uh, it, like almost every time, like it's, it's crazy. So shout out to Jim Tochi. If anybody knows, just tag him over here. Uh, he, I was sitting at a conference and uh, Dan, who's the CMO of Sendoso, uh, was with me at that conference. We were about to hop on a panel. And he said to me, and this was the first time I was actually meeting Dan. Um, and Dan was like, hey, man, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, your teammate, uh, Jim, is fantastic. I'm like, uh, who are you talking about? Like, he, he's like, yeah, no, Jim Tochi. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a great salesman. Like, yeah, so I, I dug into it. Like, hey, why, why do you say that as a CML? Because he's the one who's getting asked to buy Terminus at that time. And he's like, look, First of all, I have a cell phone relationship with you. I'm like, what? You're talking to Jim on a, on a text? I don't have your text. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a marketer. I think I know some people, but I don't have your cell phone number. How does he have your cell phone number? He's like, no, no. I'm having a cell phone conversation, text conversation all the time with him uh, about, and he's always sharing with me stuff that I need to know. Um, he's never too pushy, but he's always there when I need to have answers or he will always share relevant information. Um, and then they became a customer and like, I'm like, wait a minute, like, how does this work? Like, how does a sales person, a sales rep have the cell phone number off ACMO and have that relationship? And there were comments after comments in here about like, you know, relationship is, is hard is, is just talked about. And I'm like, no, that's an example of why that conversation even began. First, I, I love that story. Because I think one of the things that we take out of sales is that word, love. And I think what we take out of sales is the strictly platonic romance that us as humans are meant to have with one another in the first place. Yeah. And, and we truly do. We don't, we, we don't allow the experience to be an elevation as compared to what it typically is. We say, no, you have to act in, in these standards, right? You can't talk to people that way. You can't say this. You can't say that. I call BS on that every time. You, it's because you have created a box and put yourself in it, at, you know, because of the standard of somebody else that's built the box for you, right? They don't know your life. They don't know what it is that's going to make you successful. And most of the time, those boxes are built to suppress to begin with. They're built in order to make sure that, like we were talking about earlier, that a brand or a company is at the forefront and not you and your opinions, right? Yeah. And not honesty either, which is a huge piece of the puzzle in all this. Whereas you're talking about this text relationship creates honesty. It, because there are opportunities in that to send a video and to talk a little bit you know, more altruistically, like yourself, authentically. There's yeah. opportunities to send things like gifts and memes and, and to shoot over like a shot of the barbecue on Saturday, like you know, teasing the person and maybe even challenging them as well too, which is my favorite thing. I have a student right now in Australia that loves to send me his cook on, on the weekends. 
yeah. because he knows I don't really have time to do it right now, but that it's like my passion. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, what do you think, bro? And, and, and those are the things that really, they, they define the relationship and build a culture, right? Culture is experiences, right? Culture is, culture is tangible, right? So we got to start doing those things. You know, what, one of the things we're doing in the peak community, and a lot of the folks are in here, we're reading a Radical Candor uh, book by Kim Scott. So we got to get to your book in a second now. And one of the things she talks about this is that don't put people in boxes. So when you said that, that's the quote that I'm going to put in, in the community uh, this weekend, because I was reading that, it says that because people evolve, because people in, the, in their ideas and their thoughts and how they perceive things, you shouldn't think that a salesperson is a sales rep and you can't have a relationship with a CMO. Like that is a typical thing. Well, I can't talk to the CMO. I can't text. And here's Jim. He has more big roster of CMOs than I can ever have. And I'm like, hey, can you send me the cell phone number of that so-and-so CMO? He has the list. And I'm reaching out to my sales rep. Like, no, there is no thing. It's like they're humans. And when you start thinking about it that way, it changes. So Kim talks about that. It's like, don't put people in boxes and let them grow and see them and don't make people push, shove them into like one area and say, well, that's what that person is because of the title, role, or whatever it might be. They're, they might have a bigger idea and a bigger thing than you can ever imagine. So with Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Yeah. Real quick. Uh, there was a company that was worth about a billion dollars. So they were like peaking at two, at two billion and they got an award at a big economic development event that I went to. And because I'm a sales wanderer, I believe in the idea of community and, and really going out and wandering your territory and creating community around it. And so I would go to the most off the wall things, such as, you know, a guy in an industry that has nothing to do with mine at all whatsoever, um, you know, at an awards event that you can't go around and network with people necessarily. You're stuck at a table, you got a number, right? And, and I watched this guy get on stage and accept an award for being this just huge piece of our community, which I'd heard the rumors about him, right? Because I got my ear to the ground, but he got up on stage in jeans and a button down t-shirt. And I thought, and it was untucked and like, he looked awesome. <laughs> As opposed to everybody in like a suit and a tie and a tux. And, and I watched him get on stage and accept this award. And I thought, man, oh man, most people probably think this man and they think I've got to be this thing if I want to be in front of him that I'm not. And, and they become imposters of who they truly are. And they, mm -hmm. and they get this type, this type of idea in their head that they can't reach out to this guy. So I grabbed my brother about a week later and I threw him in the car with me. I said, he worked for me at the time. And I said, hey, uh, grab a second pair of pants and grab a, um, you know, just like more of a casual button down uh, for, for an after hours cold call. And so it's five o'clock. So we jumped in the car. The guy's place was right on the beach, right? We drove down. This is his first building before he built like a hundred million dollar building. But we drove down and we picked up a six pack of Corona lights and limes. And we, we rolled in in our jeans, untucked button downs, walked up to the front desk, pulled the six pack out put on, on the table and said, we're here to see Jim. It's happy hour. And, <laughs> and, and the lady looked at me like I was crazy at first. Um, and I had my business card hanging in it. The one I, it was similar to the one I just showed you. And, and the one I had there was me and Chuck Norris standing with an extra coffee machine. But she looked at the card. She looked at the beer and she said, one second. And she get, she didn't like flinch, right? But she gets up, goes upstairs, goes to the dude's office. He comes downstairs, right? And he's dressed in shorts, right? Like he's got shorts on. And he comes downstairs with his headset on his big old mic, you know, and he's laughing. And I can hear people talking in his headset. And he does one of these, right? 
And he goes, hey, I'm on a conference call with some of our investors in Japan, but this is amazing. Come with me. And just walks us up the stairs, puts us in the conference room, goes, I'm going to send the guys in that take care of the copiers in just a second. We never told him that we were there to sell him copiers, right? We never made it about some kind of transaction, right? And then he cracks a beer, cuts a lime, throws it in, gives us each one and just walks out. That was how I met him for the first time. And then his CIO and and one of the engineers came in and, and hung out with us. That is a lesson in sitting back and looking at somebody and saying like I can't I can't be friends with a guy like Tim Ferriss or I'll ne- Gary Vee would never want to meet with me. Like don't say that to yourself because if you want it, you can go get it. I yeah. promise you. If you want it, if you really want it, if you really care about it. So, dude, there's so many questions that I don't think we can even go to. So later on, you need to go and look at the feed here and answer some of those questions, but. I want to make sure that we talk about the book because your book is coming out. You told me, shared with me a little bit of a sneak peek. Uh, I know you're building this whole buzz that I can't wait to have it myself. So tell us a little bit about it. What is it about? When is it coming out? All that. So I'll give you the premise. We, in 2019, I I started writing the book with my business partner and it was kind of just like, kind of like a hobby. Like I love to write. As most of you know, that follow me on LinkedIn, I love to write. And so putting my thoughts down into a book was something I always wanted to do to honor my father, but also to help other people to see the things that I've done, the stories that I had, but not just something to glorify me, right? I, I've never been a real big fan of that. Even though I'm a high eye and, and I love the spotlight, I also, I think what I like and what I learned over time, especially from my struggles with depression, is that there's something inside of all of us that can be this brilliant. And even if it's not necessarily the person that likes the spotlight, that brilliance is still there. It just shines a little differently. And for me, it was, well, how do we, how do we, awaken, how do we awaken that in people? And so what we did is we sat down and we, we sketched out this idea of like the copier warrior dying, basically. And I know it sounds a little morbid, but you know, this idea of like the copier warrior dying and anybody that's seen my, my launch commercial for the Sales Rebellion knows that I tell this whole story about the copier warrior. You can actually see a sneak peek in that commercial, the cover of the book, right? Where it's when we use the book as like my ancient writings kind of thing is the concept. Yeah. And and what we're doing is we're teaching people. The, oh, yeah. Yes. We're, we're teaching people the legend of the copier warrior and the 30 day step challenge, essentially, which is and we ask that people read the book on the weekends as well, too. But it's it's day, 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 day after day of little tidbits that you can take in your sales walk and make the necessary changes to become a sales rebel and to live out the legacy of the copier warrior and create your own is the, is the mindset behind it. But so during the week, you know, the first five days, we talk about very actionable items around outreach, about territory, about networking. We essentially have five subjects that repeat themselves every week, but go deeper into the subject itself. So like think about being a Padawan and then becoming a Jedi master is the best way to to look at it. But it's an adventure, right? What we've done is we've buried the copier warrior. He's in a tomb somewhere and these are his writings. We've found them and we're translating them to the world for all of sales to see and to enjoy for themselves, to be able to take the mantle that he left and become a copier warrior themselves. But, you know, maybe it's an HR warrior. Maybe it's a you know waste management warrior or a pest control warrior. It doesn't have to be a copier warrior. It's about this mindset of choosing legendary, of being something bigger to your territory than just the guy that knocks on the door or the girl that makes the phone call every other week to try and sell them something, but to be something that impacts people. 
to connect with yourself, to understand that sales is more than just about selling something. It's about awareness, awareness of who you are, awareness of others, situational awareness even. It's a concept of making yourself a better husband, a better mother, a better father, a better wife, a better friend, a better leader inside of the community as well too. It infuses a ton of marketing concepts into the sales walk because I believe that this generation needs to take up arms to destroy the stereotypes of what has been given to salespeople and also what has been given to marketing people as well too. And to sit back and say, no, I rebel against these things. I will not be a part of the fray. I will not be a part of the mediocre. I will be something that, that takes a stand against these things because they're not right. It's not right for us as a community, the culture that we want to build, or our buyers who are people, human beings. So there's some fun stuff in the book too. We have a, a little surprise for everybody. We call it Rebel Vision. I won't really talk a whole lot about it, but just keep your eyes and ears open as we continue to tease the book throughout the coming weeks before its release. You know, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about the Coffee Warrior's Tomb, how to start a sales rebellion, which is the title of the book, um, and, and all the fun things that are, that are going to be incorporated into it to help to not just have you walk away and say, man, this, this impacted me, because we want everybody to say that. And if you don't, we did not do our job. But we also want people to say, this opens my mind to the community that these people are building and to start to look into the sales rebellion more, because it's not just about the sales rebellion. And what we want others to understand is that it's about coming and finding all the other sales reps that are rebelling themselves as well too, and bringing them together to create something that has never been seen inside of the sales world. Dude, legendary. Now, typically, typically I would do a whole bunch of my like take takeaways from it and recap, but I don't want to add to anything you just said because it is so epically beautiful. Um, so in the peak community, I will do, I will do a recap later on today. So for the folks who are in the peak community, they can, uh, they can see it. And if you want to be part of it, just DM me and uh, we'll, we'll see. It's for marketers. And I wanted to do this because I feel like people need to hear from the sales perspective. But I think what you offer more than just sales is, as all of us say, that you always bring in the idea of legacy. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you're building and be proud of what you're selling and marketing. And if you really believe in something, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be coming out. So, yeah follow you people if you don't you haven't dropped it you've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player if you have an iphone we'd love for you to open the apple Podcasts app and leave a review thank you so much for listening until next time